0: Welcome to Pull The Goalie Podcast with your host, as always, in Peter Bradders. In this week's bumper edition of sorts, because it's pretty much two weeks worth of hockey, uh, we are going to be looking at the NHL. We'll also take a look at the German scene as well as the ongoing events taking place uh for the pwhpa women's ice hockey scene and we'll loosely talk about over odd bits <laughs> We will start off first with British ice hockey, because why not? We, I, I live in Britain, why not start? Uh, so we'll start from the NIHL Spring Cup, and then we'll work our way down to the North Cup. So the weekend's games. If you bypass what happened this past week and move backwards a couple of weeks. Uh, That's all the Sheffield Steel Dogs taking on the London Raiders with the other game being played was the Telford Tigers against the Bracknell Bees. But we will start with the juggernaut that is the Sheffield Steel Dogs. Um, So, on the Saturday they welcomed the London Raiders or Romford Raiders, depending how you prefer to call them, uh, they would probably prefer to be called London. But you know, beggars can't be choosers. So Sheffield took the lead in the second period, pretty much early on. Uh, twelve seconds, to be exact. Uh, that was through Ben Lake at twelve. Oh, sorry, twenty twelve. Um, Then saw the Raiders replying on the power play. Uh, That was through Eric Piertak. Sheffield then retook the lead pretty much the next minute. Uh, That was courtesy of Jason Hewitt. Then saw two goals further for the Steel Dogs as they led 4-1 after two. Uh, That was courtesy of a power play strike from Jonathan Phillips. And a goal very late on from Nathan Salem. In the third period of action, it saw Charles Thompson netting a fifth. Uh, that then saw two goals from the Raiders to cut the arrears down to a couple of goals at least. Uh, that was courtesy of Callum Bennett and also Aaron Connolly, the captain of the Raiders. However, that made it 5-3, and that was pretty much as well as it got for him in Vernus. Uh as they just managed to add a couple more goals to Sheffield. Uh firstly through Alex Graham, that coming at 49.56. And then towards the end of the game at 55.59. Uh Of course, you can't keep this person out of a game for too long, uh, that being Liam Kirk. Um, So, a battling display, I think you could easily say for the Raiders on that particular evening. So, a 7-3 loss in Sheffield saw the sides then reconvening 24 hours later down in Romford and it was pretty much a similar result. So Sheffield took the lead through a Brady Doxie goal, uh, that coming at 5.43, then saw a second coming from number 20, Jonathan Phillips, 2-0. In the second period it saw Liam Kirk grabbing his first off the game. Uh, that coming at 2042. Then saw Ben O'Connor getting in on the action at 21.44. The Raiders then finally managed to pull a goal that late late in the second period. Uh, that was courtesy of Callum Wells. Uh, timed at thirty nine oh four with assists going to Brandon Wildlife. Um then pretty much as soon as the Raiders had finished celebrating their goal uh, Sheffield just added another. Uh and again through Liam Kirk who'd have thought it. Uh that was at thirty nine sixteen which gave the Steel Dogs a 5-1 lead going into the final period. In the third period, it saw Sheffield scoring two more goals to the Raiders' one, uh, that being Phillips grabbing his second of the game alongside Jason Hewitt. Meanwhile, for the Raiders... It's our number 86, Tommy Huggett making it as close as you you pretty much could do against Sheffield, in in all fairness. Um, But yeah, as I say, an absolute juggernaut. Um, And we haven't even gotten to what happened this past weekend. Stay tuned. So, as we dip back into time, as it is, and it's all the Telford Tigers taking on the Bracknell Bees, that coming at the Telford Ice Rink, Um, so let's see what's happened there, so it's all the Tigers taking a lead pretty much midway through the first, Uh, that was through a Cole Shudra goal, that was it. 10:35. Um, in the second period, it saw the traveling bees getting on the goal. Uh, sorry, getting on the board, shorthanded with a shorthanded goal uh, that came through Harvey Stead. In the s- third period, then pretty much saw a, an avalanche of goals. I suppose you could say for the Tigers as Rick Plant made it 2-1. Scott McKenzie made it 3. Uh, that was soon followed by Jason Silverthorne. And then right at the end, at 59:38, it saw Sam Jones getting on the act to complete a 5-1 win over the Bees. As we then move over to the Sunday meeting which was, as we know now, played down in Slough uh, unfortunately, because as I really wish Bratnell could get their home back but that's a topic for another day so the game itself um, pretty much a, a very tight affair uh, with the Tigers taking a 2-1 win. Um, so... <clears throat> that was through Scott McKenzie at 18 22. um And then a minute... Sorry, a, a second before the end of the uh, first period, saw Ivan Antonov netting a equalising goal at nineteen fifty-nine, But then at 37-36... It saw Austin Mitchell-King making it 2-1 and giving the Tigers a 2-1, lead, or 2-1 win. Um, not really much I can add to that, in, in all fairness. Um, so, that now brings us to this current weekend's games. Um... Of which the Bees had easily the hardest schedule of pretty much any team in this tournament. uh, As they played three games over three days. So, if we start off with Friday the 5th of March. It saw them travelling down to Romford to take on the Raiders. And a game... That it was very, very tight. So tight you could fit a Rizzler paper between butt cheeks. No, I don't particularly condone that behaviour. Um, but as it is. So, the game itself, it saw of 817, number 24, Ivan Antonov putting the bees ahead. Uh, that was then followed by an equalising goal on the power play from number 42, Zach Sullivan. Um, then the Bees went back ahead at 25 16. Uh, that was through Josh Smith. At 30 18, a second power play goal for the Bees. Uh, that came from Antonoff for his second. Uh, that came at 30 minutes and 18 then antonov's hatchet goal came at 35 46 with assists going to Lewis hook and Kieran long uh, the Raiders then managed to pop up with a goal through Zach Sullivan scoring going his second of the game uh that coming at 3909. Then, pretty much saw three goals in the final three, oh sorry, in the final ten minutes. If I can get me words out. Uh, that was through a... A lingering goal from Bratnell. Um, I will not... Hugh her lingering. Um, apologies. I am awful on names as everyone should know by now if you have listened so far. So anyway, he made it five two uh, at fifty twenty-six. And then in the fifty-sixth minute it saw the Raiders netting twice. Uh, that was through Callum Wells at fifty-six eleven. And then at fifty-six thirty-seven it saw Captain Aaron Connolly netting a fourth. make it a one goal game. Um, The Bees held on of course for a 5-4 win and set them up for a weekend of terror I suppose you could say with games against the Sheffield Steel Dogs. We may as well come to them. So the Saturday the game saw the bees travelling up the M1 to take on the Sheffield Steel Dogs where it wasn't a pretty much it wasn't a good night for them uh, a 7-0 shutout was actually what occurred <clears throat> so if we have a look at the scorers so things didn't particularly get off to the best of starts uh, as 1 minute 32 into the game, so Nathan Salem making it one nil. Uh, that was soon followed by Jason Hewitt making it two. Uh, that at ten thirteen, Ben Lake then added a third at eighteen thirty six. Then came the respite, uh, pretty much because it was the end of the period. Uh, things didn't get any better coming into the second period. Uh, four goals inside, seven and seven minutes and 11 seconds. Um, Nathan Salem on the power play at 21-21. Then saw Alex Graham netting a power play goal as well at 22-49. Jason Newitt added a second of the game. That was at 23-36. Uh, that made it 6-0. And then at 27-11, saw Alex Graham rounding off the scoring. Um, I'm pretty much ended all hope. Um, Looking at the penalty count, and an old friend to people that was fans of the EPL uh, that may not have followed the game much since, uh James Galazzi, with a game misconduct for high sticking uh, so more than likely drew blood um so that pretty much came during the so all those power play goals came during the Galazzi five minute major um looking at the net minding for the bees um Because they did swap goalies kind of midway through. Uh, So you had Adam Goss who I remember watching, I think it was for the Milton Keynes Lightning uh, against the Manchester Storm in an elite game. uh, To the point where he wasn't an elite keeper. uh, But he put in a hell of a performance in the game that I saw him in. Um, So He faced 27 shots, let in 6. Percentage rate of 77.78. Daniel Milton then came in at the 36 minute. Faced 19 shots, conceded 1. save percentage of 94.74. So we'll see how them percentages go on the following day. Uh, Which, if you're a Bees fan didn't particularly make for great reading ah oh, hell to it let's let's go with it <clears throat> so following the seven nil defeat in Sheffield, Bracknell then welcomed Sheffield to Slough and saw them faring a bit better than they did the night before, but not too much. Um, so if we have a look at the scoring in that game, it saw Jason Hewitt making it 1-0 to the Steel Dogs after 7.47. A delayed penalty goal by Joshua Martin made it 1-0. Sheffield then scored through Liam Kirk on the power play, uh, that coming at 12.49. The Bees then responded through Kieran Long at 13-27 and then close to a minute later it saw an even handed goal by Jason Newitt again uh, to make it 3-2 and have the Steel Dogs going into the break 3-2 up in the second pretty much just felt very much like the night before um, another collapse in the second period uh, this time saw Alex Graham netting at 20:30. Then saw Liam Cook scoring at 21:01 to make it 5-2. Jonathan Phillips made it 6 at 21:26. Uh Then saw Alex Graham netting his second I like coming it dead on 24 minutes. Liam Cook then scored twice that being at 41-37 and at 50-32. Uh, oh, before them two goals, it saw the bees getting on the board again. Uh, that was through Captain Stuart Mogg. Um, then came the two Kirk goals. Then saw Jack Brammer getting in on the act. Uh, to round the scoring off at 53-52. Pretty much another commanding display by the Dogs. Ten uh, four was your score in that game, with the Dogs outshooting the Bees forty-eight to twenty-three. So we had those games, and then we had the other two games, which featured the Swindon Wildcats and the Telford Tigers. So, the Saturday game came at the Link down in Swindon, and I don't think anyone pretty much saw this result coming. Um, so... Going through the scorers, <clears> once <throat> the page loads for me, so Telford ran up a early 4-0 score. Uh, with goals from Ross Venus, Kieran Brown, Finlay Howells and Scott McKenzie. Uh that made it 4-0 obviously. Uh the home side did reply through Tom Rutkiss uh to make it 4 goals to 1. In the second period, saw two power play goals going in. Firstly, from Jonathan Weaver at 22-15. And then a second goal for Scott McKenzie, also on the power play. Uh, that coming at 23-37. Uh, then it saw Jack Watkins making it a 7-1 game. Uh, that coming at 31:28, sorry, 31:38. Uh, the Cats then scored their second of the game. Uh, that was through Balint Pakosdi. Um, again, I'm terrible with names. Don't come at me. And then two late power play goals from the Tigers. Firstly, from Ross Venus for his second of the game. And then number 27, Cole Shudra, completed a miserable night for the home side with a 9-2 victory. Moving to the Sunday night game and the final of the Spring Cup, we saw the Tigers running out 7-2 victors. Um, So kind of going through that. But then looking at a couple of other things that took place as well. Um, So we had Telford taking a a free goal advantage early into the second. That was courtesy of Ross Venus. A power play goal from adjacent Silverthorne and an even-handed goal from Silverthorne as well. Um, All them goals coming... By the 20 minute and 44 second mark. Then saw the Cats getting on the board. Of a power play. Uh, that coming from Benjamin. Or Ben Nevesil. That uh, twenty-nine fifty-nine. They then scored again. On the power play as well. Uh, that coming at forty-five ten, Courtesy of a Jordan Kelsall goal. Um, just looking at the the penalty um, or how they scored from it uh, it saw Cole Chudra being given a match penalty for kicking uh, which you don't really see much of nowadays Um, I can only think of two players that's kind of done that penalty in the past Um, so So yes, so that made it 3-2. Then saw the Tigers scoring four goals in the remainder of the game. Uh, That with David Clements. Then goals from Kieran Brown, Scott McKenzie and Austin Mitchell-King. Rounding off a four-point weekend for the Tigers and a Nilpoix weekend for the Wildcats. <clears throat> so as we take a little gander, if we will, at the table. So at the bottom is the London Raiders on nothing after five games. Then comes the Bratnell Bees on three points from seven. Um, Swindon at third that on 4 points then sees the Telford Tigers and the Sheffield Steel Dogs level on points at 12 apiece uh, but with only the gold difference separating uh, Sheffield from the Tigers Moving as we will do to the North Cup once it loads my computer is very very slow. So we are into week two of this newly devised tournament that is being played. Um, that featuring the Sheffield Scimitars, formerly the Senators, the Blackburn Hawks, the Witness Wild and the Nottingham Lions. <clears throat> so if we start off with last weekend the opening game saw so the, uh, the Battle of the Northwest involving Blackburn and the Woodness Wild, and it was pretty much the Adam Barnes show, in all fairness. Um, though I will say now that the details I will give you are not accurate but I will go off what I have in front of me. Pretty much because I redid them, and I know for a fact they're wrong. But such is life. So it's a slightly sluggish start, as you kind of would have expected with no hockey for a year. Uh, So the Wild took the lead after four minutes dead. Uh, That was from Adam Barnes, who found himself behind the Hawks defence and netting against his former team uh, that made it 1-0 and then saw two power play goals for the hometown Hawks uh, that coming from James Riddick and Richie Bentham soon after saw Adam Burns making it 2-2 then in the second period it saw him netting his hat-trick goal at 23-59. Uh, that was before the Hawks came back yet again. Uh, that was through Aaron Davis, who's not too far away from, I think, the, the club record for points. Oh, that's what the... Oh, that's what the Blackburn ones were saying, at least. So, after that, then saw... Total domination from Widness. Um, with Richard Hagar making it four goals to three. And that really proved to be the the backbreaker, I suppose you could say, of the contest. Uh, Ollie Barron then made it five. Adam Barnes scored his fourth to make it six. Um, Joe Coulter then added another goal before Jordan Griffin scored on the power play um, to which the netminder for Blackburner that night Nick Trapans had an absolute shocker Um, to which as much as I am a fan of netminders and I will try and defend them as best as I can there are days where you just have very bad nights um, or afternoon in his case and just literally everything he did just didn't work out and I, he, he will have had better games and as we will come to in a bit, definitely has later on as it is it then saw Peter Toff finishing the scoring with a beautiful wrist shot, it has to be said Um as that finished off the Hawks for a 9-3 victory. Now, everyone will have seen this game in some shape or form. It was the second game and was played the following day between the Nottingham Lions and the Sheffield Scimitars. The game in question was an absolute thriller so we will go through it and i will try and try and remember bits that happened so nottingham going into this contest had only won twice in three years just bear that in mind however they are a much changed team and they have brought in vladimir luka who was an ex-sheffield Steel Dog in the National League plus there's a few teams that have strengthened up as well so with all that said we will now go into what happened with the final five minutes being the craziest moments I have seen in a long long time so Nottingham took the lead at 11.07 through Vladimir Luka. Then saw the Sheffield team scoring twice to take the lead at 27.26. um, With firstly Sam Jones netting in the first at 14.28. Then saw Tyler Nixon with it just seemed like a a shot on goal with no real conviction in fairness, it just just came to him by the blue line just threw it on goal and sh- Luca Sheldon the sh- sorry, the Notting netminder was screened by his own defenceman and it just went past him, he had pr- did not have a chance of seeing it Um. then we had Ruskin Hughes Turning into Konemick David, uh pretty much as he picked up the puck in his own zone, curled round, blew right past the defence from the outside, cutting in, put it past Lucas Sheldon for one of the most creative solo goals I've seen for a while. Uh, that came at 3422. Then saw Nottingham beginning to kind of claw their way back into the contest um the first goal coming through thomas palmer as he shot from a very tight angle uh didn't look like there was any room to score from but obviously it did um so that then made it 3-2 sheffield then went 4-2 up that was through william newcomb's goal um in which it seemed to be a case of he tried to pull a move, failed, but because he tried to go far corner, he kind of dragged the goal of the wrong way and it trickled in at the near post, uh, which was a very fortuitous goal, is probably the best term of phrase. This then saw Sheffield conceding a couple of goals, uh, firstly through... Ellis Ricky. It was a bit of a bizarre one where it was him and Jack Croson kind of just looked at one another and thought, Are you going to shoot it or am I? There seemed to be a bit of deliberation and then eventually uh Ricky shot the puck into the net uh for four three then saw just the most incredible five minutes of a third period play uh, you'll probably find anywhere, uh, for a long time at least. So, at fifty-eight fifty-seven, it saw Vladimir Luka kind of cutting in diagonally, shooting the puck, po- and it went in, screened... Well, having James Hadfield screened... uh, That made it 4-3. Then at 59... Oh, sorry. Yeah, so that made it 4-4. So, Nottingham were celebrating and thinking... They were back in the game. However, moments later, saw Sheffield retaking the lead... Almost immediately... Uh, that was from Cameron Pywell. Um, As the puck pretty much got hit at him by Josh Yeardley, it kind of hit him on the chest, bounced down, and then he slotted it home at the front of the net. Um, so now it looked like Sheffield had stole the game late on. However, Nottingham had other ideas and saw Vladimir Luka netting again. Um, as some Good work from Jack Hopkins on his debut game as a senior. um, And had an an eventful game, I suppose you can say. Um, So he played across, back across. uh, across, Yeah. Away from goal, but in the slot. And saw Vladimir Luka skating in to convert. uh, Making it 5-5. Giving... The commentators pretty much saw throats and kittens. Um, So we went to overtime. Where the player of the game, you could arguably say, um, went to Jack Hopkins, who managed to convert on an overtime goal thanks to the Hazeldean brothers... Uh, that being Archie and Joseph. Um, well, the puck came out. I'm, I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was Joe. Um, so Archie played the puck to to his brother Joe. He then had to try and deal with a sliding Sheffield defenseman. Skated round him, played it back to the front of goal, where Hopkins steadied himself, took aim fired past Hadfield and won the game for the Lions and saw them winning their third match in three years uh, that came at 64-37 uh, 23 was it yeah? 23 seconds from the end pretty much So, after all the excitement that took place last week, uh, we then come to this week's games. Um, So we had the Sheffield Scimiters and the Blackburn Hawks. uh, And Sheffield, a game where, it was two games this weekend for me, where you could tell which sides are going to be finishing towards the bottom and which two sides will finish towards the top. Um, coincidentally these two sides are the ones I predict to finish near the bottom uh, just due to the fact of their finishing uh, being the the main problem uh, in truth so the game started with a brisk start I suppose you could say and saw Sam Jones scoring from close range at 328 uh, a lovely goal from Matt Viney. Saw him dispossessing the defenseman in his own zone. And then dragging the goalie out of position before flipping it high. Uh, that made it one all. Into the second period, Sheffield scored again. Uh, that was through Jack Brammer at 38-18. In the third period, it saw Blackburn taking a 4 2 free lead uh, that was courtesy uh, oh, sorry a 3-2 lead even uh, that was due to Finley Ulrich who's a former Manchester Storm player or by the time this comes out may still be a Manchester Storm player so he netted and then later on saw number 42 Logan Jean-Jacques he made it 3 Oh, sorry. He made it 3-2 with number 21 in Thomas Humphreys, then making it 3-3 on the power play, uh, again from a tight angle, um, and then saw the game going to overtime, to which Blackburn really should have done so much more with their power play chances they had. Um, And they didn't. In in truth, Um, they hit the post right at the end. But barring that, nothing to write home about. So as we went to the penalty shots, it saw both Sheffield and Blackburn scoring on their first two. Um, Came to the third round and Jack Brammer went up for Sheffield. Had Nick Trapand, who had a stormer of a game, so to speak. Um, He managed to deny Brammer which in turn set up James Riddick to have the game on the stick and saw him slotting home with a bit of help off the pipework for a 4-3 shootout win. Moving to Woodness and seeing the Wild and the Lions and was a bit of a a crazy game in, in some aspects at least. So... It started off with a it was a back and forth contest, this one, in fairness. Um so at three minutes gone, it saw Richard Hagger making it one nil. That was soon equalised at thirteen thirteen. Uh that was through Jack Hopkins, uh, who could not stop scoring in in this uh in this game. Though we always scored two, so maybe I might be good over blowing it there Um, Widness then went 2-1 ahead at 18.59 on the power play, again through Hager and again through that devastating trio of Adam Barnes, Joe Colfer and Richie Hager that was then equalised again by Jack Hopkins uh, that coming at 26.37 Oli Bannon, Ollie Bannon, Bannon, Ollie Baron, even made it three to two at 31-49 with a lovely play from Daniel Hade uh, as he skated down the wing, played a lovely pass across for Baron to pretty much just shoot in. Um, However, then saw a bizarre passage of play where Adam Barnes hit the crossbar. Lines then broke up ice. Saw a massive collision at centre at centre ice and somehow resulted in having Joe Humphreys on his own uh, and slotted past Matt Croyle in the witness goal for free free. At 45-44 for saw Mikey Gilbert making it a 4-3 lead for the home side Uh, that was before two Adam Barnes goals late on Um, but for once it wasn't the normal pairing Uh, it saw Lewis Baldwin and Rich Hager combining playing in Adam Barnes who managed to put in Uh, that made it 5-3 And then an empty net goal at 58 minutes saw a victory pretty much summed up for the wild. And saw them definitely being tested in this game. So, looking at the standings, and it sees the Sheffield scimitars, the Blackburn Hawks and the Nottingham Lions all on two points while the side out in front is the witness wild on four and my tip to actually go on and win it uh, pretty much because they are the strongest side in this cup competition Um, and they just look dangerous Um, defensively they do look a bit suspect at times Um, but of course with that trio of Joe Coulter uh, Adam Barnes and Richie Hager I think if you can stop that line I think you will have a very good chance at trying to stop Widness Um, at the moment I have yet to see it so therefore I feel that Widness is going to be the team to beat in the North Prilla So, we come to the German league, uh, or DL, um, the elite, shall we say. Um, Not much has really changed in in either, to to be brutally honest. Um, This could be a very short segment, Um, but we'll start at the, the south because pretty much nothing really happens Um, so having seen the Schrodinger Wild Wings starting off very well and carrying on from their Magenta Sports Cup form uh, they have kind of tailed off but slowly trying to force their way back Um, however the Straubing Tigers have made a bit of a run, at least, uh, and sees them on 27 points, the same as the Wild Wings, as they look to pick up a playoff place. Um, but then again, still early days, because in a couple of weeks' time, we see the almost amalg- amalgamation, if that's the right term of phrase. Um, whereas Currently it's been north either the north south via the south uh, but we will soon be having the north and south teams mixing for the first time since well pretty much last last season when it was a full one league um, so look just looking at the south it's really nothing has changed whatsoever um, Manheim still lead the way on 49 points Munich a second on forty three. Uh ERC Ingolstadt are on thirty-nine. Schwenninger have the final playoff spot in fourth uh, on twenty-seven. That is followed by the Straubing Tigers on twenty-seven as well. The Augsburger Panther who have been fleeting in their their moments uh, because they either seem to be terrible or really good Uh, and at moment they are really not good Uh, four defeats in a row the same as the Nuremberg Ice Tigers who really struggling this season Um, I feel that you could say they've struggled since uh, their main sponsor for years in Thomas Sabo pulled out Um, but yeah they've just not looked they've just not looked good full stop Um, so if we come north of the country and the Crayfeld Penguins who I have I wouldn't say I'm bad mouthed but they have been a team that hasn't formed to the best of its capabilities. Um, to which they seem to lose more players than they pick up points. Uh, and he's probably a fair reflection. Um, to which it saw them picking up, I think, their first home win of the season. Um, that coming against DG Dusseldorf, of who they seem to have a good record against this season in bizarre circumstances. Um, to which most of the wins, three of the wins they've had so far, Krefeld, have all come away from home. Um, and I think they've either come against Cologne or they've come against um, Düsseldorf. To so which I'm sure they've beat another team, but I, I mean... You, I if it will don't win that many games so it should be easy to remember but I can't uh, the Cologne sharks again a really weird team this season um, you expect them to do well considering some of the players they have at their disposal but it's it's just not there They've, they've just not been at the races in many games. Um, and to which one of my friends, in, uh, Chris the Cologne fan on Twitter, he really loses it with how his team plays. In the fact that they get good leads, or they play really well, and then they just collapse for whatever reason. Um the Isilon Roosters Um, I mean a a few weeks ago they were pushing for for second and third Um, and they've just fallen away ever so slightly Um, but a team that has fallen away is Dusseldorf Um, but no doubt they will probably come back again in a couple weeks time Uh, but as it stands they're on a three game losing streak Um, which you know doesn't really help um the team in form albeit they lost last night to Bremerhaven um this being recorded on the monday so god knows when this comes out um but Wolfsburg had built up a a, a really good kind of winning streak of of late uh with a few wins against Berlin much to my chagrin um But they really look like a team that could threaten the North, for the North title at least. Um, I think it's just a matter of can they put a run together and can they overtake Berlin. Um, At the moment you'd say no, but there's still a long way to go. Second place pretty much is been hovering top or near top all season, uh and that's been the Fishtown Penguins or the Bremerhaven Penguins, whichever you prefer to to actually call them by. Um So again, they're very much like Düsseldorf off in the sense that they go on these big runs, then they get a loss and then a couple more losses follow. And then it's just a case of trying to regather themselves and start going again. Um, to which I lost the other day. Uh, that came to from Berlin, uh, which was a really good performance by Berlin. It has to be said. Um, so i beating the Penguins five-one it's the previous meeting, um, I mean, the last two games have saw Brahma having beat Berlin 5-3, uh, and then the Polar Bears returned the favour in kind, uh, with a 5-1 win. Uh, staying with Berlin on that theme, they're your current leaders in the north section, Uh, on 46 points uh, with a lead of 9 ahead of Bremerhaven Uh, I mean Berlin you could easily put in the, (laughs) the, the category of Dusseldorf, Wolfsburg and Bremerhaven. They go on these runs and then they just seem to have these little lapses of concentration and then they just fall away. Um Netminding does seem to be a bit of a worry for me. In in fairness, um, to which I'll kind of hang fire and see what happens, kind of over the next week. Um, but as it is, I will run down the standings for you. So from bottom to top, it's the Crayfield Penguins on fifteen, the Cologne Sharks on twenty-seven. In fifth place is Isalon Roosters on 31, which is then followed in fourth place, also on four 31 points by Düsseldorf. Grizzly Wolfsburg is on 35. Two points ahead of them is the Bremerhaven Penguins in second, and your leaders on 46 points is them. Ice Chamberlain uh, so, as we have a little gander, uh, we see that the Castle Huskies are still your leaders, and pretty much will always be your leaders in this division this year um yeah, I mean we I mean, I could start right at the end in in fairness. Um, it, this is easy if you're a betting person do not bet on any games in DL2 because you will probably get stung because it is so unpredictable um, I mean and in 7th in, in not too long ago they were near bottom and now they're kind of going up the standings and um, Hill Bronner, bottom of the table a couple of weeks ago, now up to eleventh. Um, the vice versa foxes still in thirteenth, but during a little two-game winning streak they had, uh, they hit the heady heights of ninth place. Before then, blowing it obviously, and then kind of going second from bottom. Um, I suppose the the games that I I mean to to cut this section short we will talk about the games that happened this past weekend as opposed to anything that's happened prior Um, to which I will really need to kind of open then this one up because some of the games were just ridiculous, so um so if we go from the not so crazy and work our way up, we had uh Kopperin, which I've just mentioned, and um, they found themselves going a goal up against the castle Huskies then found themselves going 3-2 down before overturning it to take a 4-3 win over the runaway leaders in the Huskies. A couple days prior, so saw the Huskies losing their second in three games, or their first of... Start again. Prior... To the loss to Kofberen. Saw them losing to Halebronner. Um. In a scoreline of four goals to two. And then saw them beating Frankfurt Lions. And then saw them losing to Kofberen. However. Ignoring all that. The two games. That had crazy. Action in them. Um. So, the second craziest game of the weekend belongs to the Krimisau Ice Piraten and the Bietigheim Steelers. Now, the Ice Pirates had a one-goal lead. After two periods, it was five goals to two. After three periods, it saw the Steelers scoring five to the Ice Pirates 1 to seal a 7-6 victory away from home. To most people that would be a very crazy finish. However, you would be wrong to say that was the craziest game. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Evidence C Uh, That being Freiburg and the Dresden Ice Lions. Now, the first period saw Dresden going three goals up. In the second period, it saw them going four up, five up. To which the Wolves then pulled a goal back, five, one. However, the Ice Lions then made it 6-1, 6-1, remember that, however, this is where things went crazy, so three goals in the second period went the way of the home side. So that made it a 4-goals-to-6 game after two periods. And then five unanswered goals in the final period for the home side made it a staggering 9-6 victory to the hometown Freiburg Wolves. What the hell is going on in DL2 this season? There are so many games where it looks dead and buried, and it damn well hasn't. It is a crazy league, and I, for one, love it. Um, ideally, not so much against the Foxes, but you know, such is life. So we will. So we will touch on the NHL. And then we will do the women's hockey. And then we'll do a very quick player of the week, player team of the week. To which I still haven't decided yet. Which doesn't help when I have to put the graphics in and I am normally scripted. Um, so, looking at the NHL, starting from the... oh let's go from the bottom. So the West Division which is still headed by the Vegas Golden Knights um, it does seem to be mostly Vegas and St. Louis that are the only real challenges. you feel uh, Colorado are giving it a, a damn good fist of things um, the Minnesota Wild have kind of well, pretty much come from the the outdoor or the outside I suppose you could say uh, the Kings were were in there for a while um and now we we've kind of gone back to how it was at the start of the season and even last year uh, with all the Californian teams really struggling um but at the same time you've you've got the Arizona Coyotes being muddled in to that group as well um to which I've not really I've not really cared much about the West in all fairness Uh, despite the fact that every morning I get up for work I end up watching at least a West division game Um, to which it's always the Sharks Uh, never anyone else but um, but yeah so we'll, we'll do the standings at the end The... Where should we go next? Oh, we'll do the the East. Why not? So, pretty much not much has really changed either in in the East, Um, with the exception that the two teams at the top was the Washington Capitals on the Boston Bruins, Um, to which saw the announcement that Tom Wilson... Uh, well known to um the player of safety department uh he picked up a s i think it was a seven game ban for a hit to the head um on one of the boston players in recent games um which repeat offender you know he's just gonna do it again um to which he's He's one of those players that if he is on your team, you're probably happy. But to the rest of the, the teams, I nearly said something them, but I won't. Um, though it was funny to see one moment where Zdeno Chara was jarring with uh, Brad Marchant. Um, to which it pr- pretty much like watching Big Bird and Tweety Pie fighting. Um, but <laughs> i got a kick out of it anyway. Um, so, the only team to inflict a defeat on Washington in recent games has been that of the Bruins. Uh, that was their 5-1 win. Um, however, I think I do have an idea who my team of the week is going to be, sadly. Um um, and that's with the the New York Islanders leading the way on 34 points. i um, will saying that they've they've not had the most difficult games, I suppose you can say. Uh, a three game series with the Buffalo Sabres. It, it's nothing to write home about. It's 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 like when the Detroit Red Wings played the. The South Park characters, in in one of the South Park episodes, it's a foregone conclusion you are going to beat the Sabres just due to how much they suck this year. Um, moving to the North, because North is best. Um, the spoiler in this division truly is the Vancouver Canucks. I have to say that now they are a team that really should not be beating certain sides. Um, in the fact that they've struggled pretty much all year, along with the Ottawa Senators, but then they just pick up these random wins from nowhere whatsoever. Uh, By rights, shouldn't in in fairness. Um, so, a couple of weeks ago, they, they beat the Montreal Canadiens. Then they beat the, I think the Calgary Flames once or twice. Um, then they defeated the Winnipeg Jets. And then saw them shocking the Toronto Maple Leafs twice. Um, firstly, a 3-1 win. And add on top of that, a 4-2 win. In, in the fact that, it, I sometimes you just wonder how these things happen. Uh, t- Toronto, kind of, finally got m- most of their injury concerns back now. Um, but it's just like, how do you lose to? You have all the firepower. How are you losing to Vancouver? Um, I mean, you could say the argument for for Ottawa, but they do have at least like Brady Kachuk who and Tim Sturzel. You have players there that can perform but they just haven't. For Vancouver they just look like an awful team that just picks up these victories from nowhere. Um I'm sure my friend Dean will be happy me saying that about the Canucks, but it's true. Um so, finally heading to the Central. And... It does seem much like it's a four-team a four league in, in that. Um, Tampa Bay, you feel, is going to be the one that takes it. The Carolina Hurricanes... pretty much have these moments power outages I suppose you could say uh, where they'll win a few, they'll drop one or two normally it's to Tampa Bay um, and then they go on another run the Florida Panthers I mean they, they kind of go unnoticed And in fairness you, you just don't give them a thought um, Chicago 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 is a very frustrating team. And the fact that they can the thing with Chicago at the moment is they play games where you, you either get up to a two or three goal lead and then they decide to turn up or they have to trail two to three goals before they wake up. Um and the game last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning was a case of going three goals up And then saw them conceding six unanswered goals. It's a crazy, crazy time. That said, um, the two things that have happened mainly has been Patrick Kane scoring his 400th goal... um, That was, I think that came against the Columbus Blue Jackets, if memory serves. Um, If it wasn't, it was the Detroit Red Wings, but I'm sure it was the Columbus Blue Jackets. I've slept since. I have really no idea because I haven't scripted stuff. My apologies. Don't come at me. Um, The other thing has been the netminding of Malcolm Subban, uh, PK's brother. Prior to the season, no one gave the Chicago Netminders any love whatsoever. Uh, Probably me included, in in fairness. However, he has kept a couple of clean sheets. Or shutouts, even. Uh, He is unbeaten in shootouts. He has not lost a shootout. Touch wood. And will continue that record. Ideally, I don't want Shootouts. I want them to win games, much like I do the Rangers. But I'm going off on a tangent. So, we will look at the standings. So, going from all the way bottom again. So, in the West, you have the San Jose Sharks on 19. The Anaheim Ducks on 20. Followed by the Arizona Coyotes and Los Angeles Kings on 25, the Minnesota Wild on 27, Colorado Avalanche 28, the St. Louis Blues on 31, and the Vegas Golden Knights on 33. In the North, Ottawa Senators on 19, the Vancouver Canucks on 24. The Calgary Flames 25 points. Montreal in 4th on 28. Followed by the Edmonton Oilers on 30. With the Winnipeg Jets on 31. And your leaders in the north is the Toronto Maple Leafs on 38. East. Bottom is the Buffalo Sabres on 15. Then comes the New Jersey Devils on 18. New York Rangers on 23. Philadelphia Flyers on 27. Fourth place is the Pennsylvanian side. and Neighbours of the Philadelphia Flyers in the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are on 29. Same as the Boston Bruins. Washington is on 32. With your leaders and your new leaders in the East... In the New York Islanders on 34. Moving to the Central Division. And it sees the Detroit Red Wings bottom on 17. The Dallas Stars on 19. Nashville Predators on 22. Columbus Blue Jackets on 25. Then in the playoff places. Chicago Blackhawks 31. Florida Panthers 34. Carolina Hurricanes, 35. And the Tampa Bay Lightning on 36. So, with all that done, we will now have a little look at the women's game. Uh, Firstly, we will deal with the recent goings-on with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association... Dream Gap Tour um, these are pretty much the the best of the best in women's hockey from the US and Canada uh, with it being Minnesota and New Hampshire um, but to give it more kind of sponsorship uh, Minnesota is now team Adidas or Adidas, whatever your preference is. And New Hampshire is the Team Women's Sports Foundation. So. Excuse I. So. There has been four games so far. The first two took place in New York. And the last two took place in the Windy City of Chicago. Game one took place in the... I think it was in New... It was pretty much in New Jersey in one of the training facilities for one of the NHL teams uh, in which Team Adidas won five goals to two. Uh, That was courtesy of two goals and two assists going to Abbey Rock of Team Adidas um, on Minnesota um, as they took game one. Game 2 took place at the Mecca of sports in America. Uh, That being the world's famous arena in the Garden. I'll take a bit of a main title, Madison Square Garden. All these kind of tours will lead to one game taking place at an actual NHL arena. So... Game two saw the Women's Sports Foundation taking game two with a four-three win. Uh, that was courtesy of again two goals and two assists for Brianna Decker from Team America. So she helped the Women's Sports Foundation taking the win. Meanwhile, for Team Adidas, as I will say, uh, that's off two goals going to. Kendall Coyle Schofield. This past weekend, though, saw this kind of special tour going west. Midwest, to be exact. And saw it going to the windy city of Chicago. So, game one took place at the United Centre, home of the Chicago Blackhawks. Team Adidas won... Four goals to one, with two goals going to Abby Rock, who really does seem to be the standout player, and to which Hillary Knight predicts that she will be one of the world's, or if not the world's, best player within a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, messages. But apart from Abby Rock scoring two, it did see. A Hometown girl scoring that being Kendall Coyne Schofield, as she netted for Team Adidas in the game in her hometown, having scored there previously as a kid. I'm not saying how many years ago, but she has now she can now claim to have scored at very much kid level and now at senior. Game two saw them playing at the training facility of the Blackhawks and where team Adidas took a six to two win uh, again Kendall coyle, Kendall coyle Schofield mouthful uh, she bagged her second of the weekend in her hometown. though the player of the game went to American forward Hillary Knight as she netted twice in the game to give her side a double of wins finishing with women's hockey and we will look back at the Freund Bundesliga or the women's Bundesliga um, and it saw the Mad Dogs Mannheim taking on the Ice Bear Berlin Juniors as we take a look at the Saturday games, we saw Berlin and Mannheim in a back-and-forth contest. Um, so, as it was, Berlin had a two-goal lead. Uh, that was courtesy of Annabel Sturzic with a goal at 3.52 and 11.53. Alex Woken then grabbed a goal back for Mannheim. Uh, that was before Steph Keriluk then made a 3-1 Berlin lead. But that wasn't until Mannheim scored three unanswered goals. Uh, firstly through Sarah Weyand. And another Alex Wolken effort. Before in the third period the Mad Dogs took a 3-2 lead... Uh, that was courtesy of a Mat- Matilda Disseri's goal, uh, which made it 4-3. And then a few minutes later, saw Francisca Brendel making it 4-4, with former Mannheim player in Teresa Knutson scoring the winning goal to practically qualify for the playoffs for Berlin. The following game though, on the Sunday, with Mannheim literally needing to beat Berlin without overtime. Well, how gonna put it, Berlin just steamrolled. If if their spirits was crushed after the loss, Berlin just crushed them the following day. Um Courtesy of a 6 0 defeat. Uh, goals from Theresa Ter- Knutson, Franziska Brendel, Anne Marie McNish, or McHish, uh, Annabelle Sturzik, Paula Nix, and Steph Kereluk completed a six point victory, or oh, a six point weekend even, for Berlin, effectively qualifying for the finals weekend, which will take place in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's a couple of weeks' time, at least. Oh, details will be there anyway. Um, Lily Gunther picked up her first shutout of the season with 15 saves. Thank you for watching, or listening even. Um... Hopefully this has been a entertaining episode. If not, I apologise as always. Uh, I now have a sore throat from talking for over a solid hour. So bless you for listening. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you again for, for trying to give your support to this little project that I have ongoing. Um... Any feedback or any comments you want to give on the show, I am more than happy to take on board. Uh, Even if it's saying please don't carry on, I will still take that as a compliment. Um, But as for now, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and hopefully you have a nice weekend, a very safe weekend A week ahead, depending whatever time this comes out. And I will talk to you again next week.